Okay, Tov. We're beginning Parashat Miketz. What is the last thing we did in Parashat Vayeshev? As usual, we have to go back and see. The good thing about these parashiot is that they all are cliffhangers. So they're leading very well into the next. It's not such a hard connection from previous parashat to the next. But in the previous parasha, Yosef had interpreted the dreams for the butler and the baker. The baker is sentenced to death and the butler is raised back up to his post. But, The butler does not remember Yosef and he completely forgets him. Okay. So our parasha begins with... Our parasha assumes a two-year gap or a two-year break from which Yosef basically did the same thing all alone in the jail, in the dungeon. But then we're going to be introduced to a something that jogs the memory of the Sar HaMashkim. And it gives him reason to remember Yosef. Now, why did the Sar HaMashkim the forget day, Yosef? To the day, to the day. It says to the day. Oh, it's, it's exact? Yes. So, so why did the Sar HaMashkim forget Yosef? Because it wasn't his personal benefit to remember Yosef. Yes. What was he to gain by remembering Yosef? This guy isn't an altruistic man. He doesn't, need, he doesn't show gratitude. He's not an he's not a appreciative, good, gracious, gracious human being. But when it does earn him points with Paro, you do it. Of course you do it. So we are waiting two years until that situation arises in which it earns points for the Sarah Mashkim to recall Yosef. Now we get to Paro's dream. It was after two years. Paro dreams that he is standing on the river. Now, which river? It's called. It's the Nile. Uh, Rashi goes into ex- explaining why the Nile is called the Yeor, because he says typically a Yeor is a man-made uh, is a man-made stream. It's like an artificial river. So he said the reason it's called Yeor is because the Nile served to fill all of the artificial. Uh, rivers that were created by the people. What they would do is that they created, apparently, they created an irrigation system that was a, a many, many ditches that would stretch from the Nile to wherever field, whatever field they had. And the Nile would overflow, I guess, once a year or something. And every time it overflow, all of the irrigation would go, flow through the man-made rivers and go into the respective fields. So apparently, according to Rashi, that's why it's called Ye'or, which typically means, again, a man-made river. And from the river, there were seven cows, they were good-looking, and they were fat and healthy. And they were grazing in the marsh. But then there were seven other cows that came after them out of the river that were bad of appearance and were thin in terms of their flesh and these uh, ca- the, fat, uh, the skinny cows stood next to the fat cows on the bank of the river and then the thin cows that were bad of appearance and thin of flesh ate the seven cows that were good of appearance 
and were fat with flesh, and Paro woke up. We saw that word in the Haftarah, by the way, Vaikatz Shulmo Vehinechalom. Okay? So we're going to see the word Vehinechalom also in the next piece. Vaishan, and then Paro sleeps. Vayachalom Shenit, and he dreams again. Vehinecheva Shibolim Olot Pekane Echad Briot Vetovot. And behold, there were seven stalks that were coming from one root or one stalk that were good and that were healthy and good. And then there were seven stalks that were thin and were struck by the east wind. So that would that were growing after them. Uh, something about the east wind. Uh, apparently, there was a. This is actually a real thing that in the Middle East there is a wind called the Sirocco. Yes. You know about this? Right. So it says this comes from Arabia. And it lasts at times 50 days and destroys the vegetation. So in in the Torah, there's a lot of talk. You see a lot of references to the east wind. And I never knew what it was referring to. But apparently it's a real thing. I mean, if... Today. It must be today. The weather system doesn't change. It's very interesting. You know about this? The Shiroko? So all the farmers are like scared of the Shiroko? Yeah. Not only farmers. Also the people who go on the sea. Oh, oh yeah, wow. the sea is very dangerous, Shiroko. So it comes from the east. Apparently, it comes from Arabia, and and in Paro's dreams, these stalks have been struck by the east wind, meaning they're dying, because apparently, when that Shiroko comes, it destroys a lot of the vegetation and and whatnot. Okay, Vativlana hashibolim hadakot et sheva hashibolim abriot vahamileot vaykatz parov hinechalom. And then the thin stalks swallowed the big stalks that were healthy and full, and Paro wakes up, and behold, it was a dream. And that, and that is exactly what we saw in our Haftarah, by Yikaz Shalomovi Nechalom. Okay, um, let, let's just do a little bit of interpretation, just to see what all of the symbolisms are, before we even get to Yosef's interpretation. So, there are a few things that, that tip us off about the nature of this dream. One is that where is it Where is it happening By the Nile By the Nile So what does that tell you If it's by the Nile it it's That it's an economic dream Because the Nile Was their source the of Of economic yes, strength It was all their wealth came, Comes from the Nile If the Nile gets struck I mean that's why By the way They turn the Nile Into a form of a, a deity Because the source Of their wealth Becomes something That you worship mm-hmm. To ensure that It continues providing Right That's a classic A classic pagan uh, thing to do where you take the source of your wealth and you turn it into a deity but the fact that it's happening on the Nile represents the fact that it's an economic dream what else tells us that it's an economic dream well you have the two basic forms of 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 wealth cattle and wheat cattle and wheat but represent probably if you were to in their times is there anything else that would better symbolize that was the stock market right that was the stock market at the time so there's nothing that better symbolizes the wealth than the Nile with cows and with wheat. And then, um, now that's Paro's dreams. Now we have to see, Paro is going to tell these dreams to Yosef. There is, he changes, he changes a little bit. And there are various interpretations as to why he changes. So, I mean, you could, you could claim that it's just what his recollection of the dream he's kind of for for dramatic effect what's maybe to test to see if this so the, uh, who is the one who tests who says he omitted, that he omitted some information to see, to one of the perushim 
one of the commentaries say that it's that it's to test Yosef to see if he catches on. He omitted important details to see if Yosef could catch on and still figure it out. Okay, but from what we see, this is all happening in one night. Um, he, it's one dream. It's really one dream, yes. and that's what Yosef is going to do. And oh, and and there are two things. There's besides for Yosef realizing that it's one dream, which is going to be his first insight. There's one other thing that he's going to know about these dreams that he already realized from the butler and the baker. And that is that anytime an Egyptian is thinking of numbers, for some reason it's time. It's not number of kids. It's not yeah, number. When it was three days three. till Paro's birthday, yes, he knew that the three must be three days. And now that he sees the seven and the seven, he's going to assume seven years. So it's something that's a theme that Yosef continuously sees the, the numbers in the Egyptian yeah, mindset as periods of time. I mean, if I was Paro, if I just had the first dream, it would have just, it wouldn't have put anything, it wouldn't have really, okay, it was just a weird dream, but when it's two in a row, two small, yeah, then it's like, okay, I would, then I would be startled from that dream. You were. You got very scared. Right. Just on its own, if you just dreamt about cows, I think, like, I think okay, also you, that, didn't think, you wouldn't think much of it. In that, no. era, in that era, they were very, you know, for them, dreams. And dreams are very big, very, very important. Big thing, yeah. What I'm thinking now is, uh, uh, is to what extent are these dreams nivua that Borei Olam is giving to Paro, and to what extent w- did they know the ex- the the ups and downs of their economy? Meaning, obviously, Yosef is going to strike a chord when he explains what the dreams mean, right? And it's going to f- sit well with Paro. Does that mean that deep down, these are things that are nagging at Paro, that he realizes that the economy is going to be good for a few years, but then it's, it's probably going to tank? And is that something that he was worried about that caused him to have these dreams? Or is this nivuah from Hashem just to put... the plan of Hashem to put yourself there? To put yourself there. I, I, I think so. I mean, it's hard. We can't even tell what our economy is going to be like in a year. Awesome. Then again, our economy is a lot more complex than theirs. Uh, last year, in March, we didn't even think that this is... Right. <laughs> After two weeks, the whole thing... But may, maybe, then again, our economy is much more complex today. There are a lot more factors. For them, it's pretty much just denial of success. Maybe, maybe Paro did know something was coming, and these dreams stem from his but internal worry. In their, their era, they were really dependent on the weather, on the system. Not Egypt. Egypt is not dependent on... That's what one of the things we see at the end of the Torah, when it says that... Israel is distinct from, from Egypt because Israel is dependent on the weather, while in Egypt, because in Egypt, all you have to do is kick the water from, from the Nile onto your... And it grows. So they didn't need... They weren't dependent on the weather in Egypt. Okay, just a few thoughts. Now let's go to... Bahiba Boker this is Pasuk Chet, the eighth mm-hmm. Pasuk. And it was in the morning, and Paro's heart is beating. And he sends and he calls for all of the sorcerers of Egypt and all of its wise men. And Paro tells him his dream, but nobody is interpreting them to Paro. So notice the exactness in the language. What is the root of the word Tipaem? Tipaem. I don't know. It sounds like an onomatopoeia. Yeah. It definitely has something to do with beating. I think Rashi says it means to beat. Do you see it also by... Uh, um, agitated. 
by um, who was it Nebuchadnezzar or who who had another dream? I think it was Nebuchadnezzar and Sefer Daniel. It says Batit Pa'em Rucho. You could see it in Rashi. Okay, so look at the exactness in the language in Pasuk Chet. Vaisaper Paro lahemet chalomo. Paro told them his dream. Ve'en poter otam lefaro. But nobody could interpret them to Paro. Meaning, nobody caught on to the nuance that these are the same dream. Already, already the first mistake that his sorcerers are making is that they think these are two separate dreams. Otam. Otam. In their minds, there were two dreams. And Paro was, t- was telling them a dream, a singular dream. So, was this, was so that's going to be Yosef's first insight, which he's going to announce immediately. It's only one dream. But then the Sarah Mashkim gets up and he says, I remember my sins today. Paro was angry at his servant. And he put me in the house of the... The, in the dungeon of the house of the Sarat Tabakhim, which we know from Yosef's story earlier. Me and the baker. So he puts me in the house of the executioner with the baker. And we had a dream that night, me and the baker. Each person had a dream that had a specific interpretation. And there, there was a young Ivri boy. Ebed le Saratabakim, who was the servant of the executioner. By the way, this is valuable information. Yes, because it's because we didn't know to what extent the executioner, the Saratabakim, had demoted Yosef. But it seems like the executioner, this dungeon that Yosef was in, was in the executioner's house. And even after the wife of Potiphar told on Yosef, he still kept him as his servant, just in the jail instead of in his house. But this gives us all that valuable information. Okay, And we told him And he interpreted our dreams Each person he interpreted according to the dream And as he interpreted so it was Me he returned to my post And the baker He hung He hanged um, it, He's talking to a third person yeah. So he hanged He's referring to Paro who he's talking to Okay Paro sends and he calls Yosef. And they rush him out of the pit. And he shaves and he changes his clothing and he comes to Paro. So Yosef changes his clothing and he shaves. What's the significance of changing clothing? I think, I, think I, I look at it, what's the significance of it? It's the first time it's... it's Maybe he finally came out of being thrown into the pit. I think, I think because huh. you have to go that's to the nice. presence, is the presence of, oh yeah, that's a cleansing to me. That's interesting. He was he's thrown into the pit by his brothers. He's saying the word pit here. Why? So they rush him out of the pit. It's as if it's bringing closure to the being thrown into the pit. Because it uses the word bore. It's a nice interpretation. I'm looking more at the two things that he does. What are the two things Yosef does to prepare for Paro? Changing shape. Sure, Changes clothing and shaves. Look like a, like, like a prince. No, not exactly. Oh, his hair, because he missed a chik. He looks like an Egyptian, actually. Uh, because in Egyptian custom, they all shave. Their hair. Uh, was I t- what, did I tell yeah. you about the reason for this on Sunday? Not to look at their age. Not because the, because yeah. the Egyptians were afraid of... Or afraid of, the, of they they their age. Being fully materialistic society, 
they, they did not, they were scared of death, which is why they mummified again. So they also got rid of their hair. So one of the reasons that this is important is that Yosef, we know, has nice hair. And now he's fully shaven, clean shaven. This is bald, we're talking. This is not shaved as in I, I groomed myself. This is fully Egyptian look, which is going to be the reason why Yosef recognizes his brothers, but they do not recognize him. So we're setting that up. And then what's the, the importance of changing clothes? Because in the Yosef story, clothing, the change of clothing represents a change of fortune. When Yosef was thrown into the pit, they took off his ketonet pasim, his tunic. And then when he's thrown into the dungeon, the wife of Potiphar has his garment. But when he comes out of the dungeon, he's clothed once again with clothing that is befitting of a person of his stature. So you could trace the ups and downs of Yosef's life through the changing of his clothing. So those are the two interesting points about the Pasuk. And he comes to Paro. Yosef comes to Paro. Vayomer Paro Yosef. Paro says to Yosef, I had a dream, but nobody can interpret it. And I've heard about you, that you can understand dreams to interpret them. And then Yosef says to Paro, saying, it is not me. God will answer as to the well-being of Paro. Finally he, gives, finally, he gives total deference to Boreolam, to God. So, we have two things going on. We have Yosef's connection to God, which we see is strengthening. His, as he suffers, he's starting to realize, he's starting to gain humility. And he's starting to learn that God is more the centerpiece of his life, and God is more in control of everything, rather than he. But, on the flip side, now we are getting nervous, because though he's developing a relationship with God he seems to slowly be losing his connection to his family because now he looks like an Egyptian and he's dressed like an Egyptian and now he's accepted in Egyptian society. So our question is going to be, well, he is a godly man, but is he going to be a godly man in the house of Yaakov? Or will this just, is this just going he to be... an Egyptian name. Oh, of course, he's going to get an Egyptian name. He's going to marry an Egyptian wife. He's going to have seemingly Egyptian kids from that wife. And the names of those kids are also going to not sound so good. So we shift from the development of Yosef from an arrogant person who lacks self-awareness to an intelligent person who has plenty of self-awareness and has plenty of recognition of God. But we're now scared that he's going to lose his connection to his family more than anything. That's going to be our main concern with the story of Yosef. How old is he around? 30. 30. 30. Okay. Oh, one more thing to point out. When Yosef responds, he's basically saying that God has answers, I don't have any answers. And what is, the, what is the, the Torah doing for us there? What is the contrast we're trying to see? Well, the previous people who tried to interpret were Khartoumim, they were sorcerers. Yosef interprets in the name of God. That contrast is to show us that all of the sorcerers are, you know... They're fake, they're and that the real, real wisdom comes from Boreola. Okay, so that's uh, one more contrast that we could see. <sighs> All right, now Paro tells Yosef the dreams. By the bed, Paro el Yosef and Paro says to Yosef, "In my dream, behold, I am standing by the bank of the river." Now this is not true, because in the dream he says you're standing on the river. So what, what's the difference? I don't know. And then from the river came seven cows that were healthy, 
and fat and good looking and they were grazing in a marsh and then seven cows came after them. And these were thin cows, and I have not seen any cows like these in all of Mitzrayim in terms of how bad they were. That's something that's editorial. He's adding that in as well. The bad cows then ate the good cows that were healthy. And they went inside them. And you could not recognize that they went inside them. And their appearance was bad as it was at the beginning. And then I woke up. So that also he added. Yeah, because in the up. dream, no, in the dream, it didn't talk about what the animals looked like. After. What the, the skinny cows looked like after, after they swallowed yes. the big cows. But that doesn't necessarily have to be a lie. It could just mean just in the dream, in the dream is saying what he saw. And then... When he's telling Yosef, it means what he what you know what it meant to him, right? And behold, I see in my dream again. There are seven stalks coming from one uh, stem. And then there are seven stalks coming after them that were thinner. And the seven thin stalks swallowed the seven big stalks. And I told my Khartoumim and nobody could explain anything to me. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't the Khartoumim explain Paro's dreams? Maybe they were afraid to, to tell, even if they knew, but you know, you're telling your own king, you're, you're going to have a bad... Exactly, I, I think that's the answer. I think the answer is that, I think the answer more than anything is that Paro didn't get any takers. Yeah. I don't even know if they They're tried. It's because... I, I told to my Khartoumim and Magidli, and nobody even said anything to me. Now, and also, Yusuf gives him the bad news, but also gives him right, the right, right. So, so, so all of these people, they have a lot to lose, right? And they're scared to answer Paro. It could be that nobody even tried to interpret because what, what's going to happen when Paro hears that he's going to kill them? He's going to kill them. Now, Yosef has the courage to realize that it's not only two options, there's a third option. Meaning it's not only I could lie and say it's good and then, or I could tell the truth and say it's bad. The third option is to tell the truth that it's bad but don't let Paro interrupt me until I give him the good news about the bad situation. And that's the brilliance of Yosef in that, in that Paro, see Paro doesn't want to be lied to. He doesn't want to be told that these dreams are good because he knows that they're not good. So, so Yosef, the brilliance of his response, what we're going to see his response is that he's, he's taking a bad dream, he's saying that it is going to be bad, but he's also saying it's, it's bad for Egypt, but it's an amazing thing for, for you. Because you're going to make so much money. Because you're going to be so wealthy and so powerful that these, are, these dreams are the best that. thing that ever happened to you. And that. that is why, more than anything, Paro was going to accept his interpretation. Not because Paro knew that Yosef was right, but because Paro stood to gain so much from the way Yosef interpreted. Right. So, uh, Yosef has a combination of clairvoyance and insight into what the dreams mean, but he also has the wisdom to give Paro an interpretation that he knows Paro will have to accept, even if he does not know that, uh, that Yosef is right in the interpretation. Turns out he was right in the interpretation as well, but Paro doesn't really care about that. He realizes that this is, he stands to gain a lot He's from what so Yosef tells him. We're going to go into exactly what uh, Yosef tells him tomorrow. Um, 
and then uh, yeah, that, that's going to be tomorrow. But we already analyzed what the strategy was on Yosef's part. Uh, if anybody knows how Yosef knew, I think the best answer is that this is Nivuah. I don't know of any other way. But he was the messenger at the end of the day. He was the messenger all of this season. Messenger of Hashem. I mean, he. Right, uh, at the end of the day, again, I think you have to say this is Nebuah. Meaning, how did Yosef know the meaning of the dreams? You have to say it's Nebuah. Because in the last dreams, with the Sarah Mashkim and Sarofim, we said there's a very rational way you could see how Yosef could have figured it out. How could Yosef figure out 14 years of economic, economic prediction? It must have been Nebuah. I don't know what else it is. Avoid the, the, avoiding, the avoiding the problem could have just been wisdom. Doesn't have to be Nebuah. That's Yosef's brilliance. That's his, that's his managerial expertise that we see in the previous places. Well, we that actually learn a lot of things in economics because sure. of this. About saving? That when we have good years, we have to save for the bad years. Okay. Not always like that. Amen. 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 Amen.